Today, I am going to share with you a prophetic message uh, of what we're seeing God beginning to do amongst us in, a church, in our church at the moment. Um, so we like to sort of take stock, just pause and kind of reflect at least twice a year. As a leadership team, we go away together and we pray and we spend a couple of days together and say, God, what are you doing? What is it you want to do? And, uh, and, and are we still on track with that? And so I, in January, if you remember this year, way back in 2023, as it was, uh, we talked about how we wanted to see a church that was saturated in prayer. That's what God put on our hearts at that time. And we're still running with that, by the way. So what I'm going to say today doesn't change that. We're still going after that. And I think we've seen some real progress in that whole part of our church life, saturated in prayer. And I think we're moving actually towards a culture of prayer. That's what we want, not just a a, a kind of church with prayer meetings, but a church that prays. And uh, where prayer is almost the most natural and normal thing for us to do in response to anything. You know, so when we hear about climate change, we pray. When we hear that somebody's sick, instantly we pray. So I came in this morning limping a bit and three people wanted to pray for me. That's the kind of thing. And uh, if you've had a bad day, we pray. You know, whatever it is, we pray. That's what we want. That's the kind of church that we want to be together. And we're not stopping with this. We're going to continue with our weeks of prayer and teaching into prayer and so on. But I think uh, we will come to that place where we end up with a prayer culture, a culture of prayer, so that, that our practice becomes our habit and even our reputation Wouldn't it be great for Jubilee Church to be known as a church that prays? You know, if you go there, you're going to get some prayer. That's my heart. That's my vision. A house of prayer for all nations. How about that? You got faith for that? Anybody? One or two people. That's really good. That's what we want to see. So I don't want to detract from this focus. I want to add to it. I want to mix in something that we feel that God is doing that will even shape some of how we pray in the coming days. Because increasingly, as we have prayed, I've seen this river going out. We have seen this river going out. And I feel like we stepped into the river today. You know, that that word about depth, come deeper, go deeper. We are in a river of the moving of the Spirit, but it's going out. Isn't it interesting how we ended up praying today? Revival, Lord, our nation, Lord, what's going on around the world? The river going out. The mission of God through the church to reach the world with the good news about Jesus. And that's what we all came together with as a team when we met in September a river that goes out that affects neighborhoods and communities, regions, even nations through the church, through the people of God. A river that springs up, a river that pours out, a river of healing that brings life wherever it goes, a river that gets supernaturally deeper the further it goes out. And of course, I'm describing a prophetic river that's mentioned in Ezekiel chapter 47. Um, But it runs out from under the temple 
which is described in Ezekiel 43. So I want to just start with reminding you about the temple uh, in which God's glory dwells. Uh, and I'm not going to turn you to all the passages today. You're going to have to trust me, but you can check on what I say to you later because uh, I want to save some time. But if you've been around Jubilee for any length of time, you will have heard us talk about Ezekiel's temple, about the glory of God being amongst us. It's a key passage for us because this picture of a present-centered church, a temple where God's glory dwells, is actually one of the main passages that launched us as a church. Um, so I set it out again, if you want to catch up a bit more on this, in our 2021 vision series, because being a place where God's glory dwells, where his presence is manifest, is such an important part of who we're called to be together as a church. But this doesn't happen by accident. You can't guarantee, well, you can in one sense, but the, the, that openness to be led by the Holy Spirit is, is, is something that we have gone after deliberately. And we got this from, uh, so Ezekiel 43 is where it talks about the temple, but chapters 40 to 42 are all about how you set up the temple. There's some work to be done. There's some foundations to be laid. So we took that really seriously. We took a number of years on talking about what, it, what does it mean to be this kind of church? What does it mean to have this kind of foundation amongst us? Because then the glory comes and fills the temple and it stays. Because God's glory, as we saw, doesn't just fill emptiness. It comes to fill something. It comes to fill someone. It comes to fill a people a people who become the foundation stones and the pillars of a city, a people who know who they are in Christ, the full extent of what they've got and the vision that they're called to. Anybody recognise any of that? Know what, who you are, what you've got and what you're called to do. I recognise that. And so you need to know that we are intentionally founded this way. It's something that we've gone after and we're still going after. We're still standing on that. We're still building and working from that foundation today. We're still living out of those foundational principles. And I think, you know, we're just so privileged as a body of believers to live with a tangible sense of his presence amongst us. It's just wonderful. Week after week we come, whether we're meeting in this place or another. <laughs> but we have this constant expectation that we will encounter him. Uh, that we will meet with him, that his glory will come. It doesn't matter where we meet, guys. God's going to come with us. He's already gone ahead of us. The cloud and the fire, as we've been talking about. And we often talk about this. You know, just this week we were talking about our worship last Sunday morning remember I just brought this exhortation guys there's, there's grace to sing come on sing and we just went for it didn't we one of our young people said they were overwhelmed because they could hear the sounds of a choir singing multiple harmonies they could hear the angels singing as we stepped into the presence of God like that in our evening prayer meeting last week, Becky and I struggled to lead the meeting because we were just overwhelmed with the manifest presence of God amongst us. So we didn't get through our program on Sunday night. But that's what we want. We want to meet with God. We, that's our expectation as we meet that his presence comes amongst us. And it's wonderful. 
but it's not enough that we experience the glory of God here week after week if it doesn't then affect outside the walls of the church. If his glory stays within the building, if we only contain what we've got and it doesn't affect our community. And I'm not saying we're not affecting our community or that we're not touching our neighbourhoods in some way, especially as we travel around our town like we're doing at the moment, meeting from place to place. Hey, that's biblical. But if we're going to see an outpouring of the Spirit, which is where we went this morning when we were praying, hey? an outpouring of the Spirit that impacts society and changes the world, then His glory has got to go out. The river needs to go out to burst out from under the threshold of the temple as Ezekiel saw in that chapter. So I want to take a look at that river and see what is needed for the river to go out. And it's after the temple was built in chapter 43 of Ezekiel that the prophet uh, envisages all kinds of outcomes of temple life that needed to be established, what was right and what was good, Leaders are appointed, that's good. Chapter 44, responsibilities are given out, forms of worship are established in chapter 45. Festivals and calendars in Ezekiel 46. The rotors, you know, they're set up. The church, if you like, becomes established. But then it all starts to settle down. As it starts to settle down, something happens. And it's like the goodness in the temple has to break out. It can't stay contained. And Jubilee, that's where we are at right now. Because the river begins to leak out. Ezekiel 47, it says in verse 1, that the man brought me back to the entrance of the temple and I saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple towards the east, which was where the desert regions were. For the temple faced east, and the water was coming out from under the south side of the temple, the south of the altar. And it starts as this stream. Now, I don't know about you, but I think I'd be a bit worried if I just finished building a beautiful thing like this temple and then water starts seeping out from somewhere, <laughs> from under its foundation. But this is what happens. Water starts bubbling up like some great underground stream. Actually, a supernatural one because where this temple was envisaged, there isn't actually any water source in that mountain. So this is a supernatural one. It's not geographically possible. Uh, it's trickling out from under the stones, comes from under the foundations that have been built of the temple, and then it, it's unstoppable. It starts forcing its way out, and it can't be contained. It can't be held back. We don't have a choice. It just spews out the goodness of God. And it's because although God's glory comes to fill 
his temple in chapter 43. He's come to fill us. There's something about the glory that has to go out. (laughs) Something about the glory that has to reach out to affect the environment, to change the community, to water the dry places and bring them to life. Jesus said, I've come that they might have life abundantly. It spills out. It bursts forth because this temple leaks. This temple that's inhabited by his glory can't be hidden. It has to be seen. The glory of God can't ultimately be contained. I think if we try to hold it, we won't keep it. Jesus said the church is a city on a hill that can't be hidden. That we are salt that changes the flavor of everything around us. This building, this church, the people of God are not meant to be waterproof. We're meant to leak. Amen? His glory leaks out. The river has to go out. I wonder if you've felt it yet. I wonder if you felt the pull. Something trickling out. Something about to burst. I know we have as a team. You know, as we talked around the room after the summer in September, we said, look, what's God doing? What's he saying? Paul said, I can't cope anymore. I'm going to burst. If I don't reprioritize my life for this mission of God. Tom talked about a move of God in unchurched young people, which he saw the beginning of at Oasis Camp and longed for it to be in Solihull, reaching out from that place. God, give us a building that we can do that, is what he prayed, and then we've just got a building for the young people to to, to work from. Amazing. Becky talked about a fresh sense of yielding yielding to the mission of God. God, whatever you say, I'm going to do it. (laughs) Wow. It's beginning to flow out. There's movement. There's sending. Sometimes people we don't want to go, like Paul was sharing about Trev and Wendy. This is going to keep happening, you know. The glory has to go out. And sometimes it means people go out and they go and do different things. They go to the Church of England. (laughs) Rich and Caroline up in Nuneaton, Trevor and Wendy in Kenilworth. God, what is happening? The glory is going out. Touching other churches even. We can't keep it to ourselves. Amen? There's a commissioning going on. There's an elevating, a growing influence for us as a church which goes beyond our town. It runs over a region and even into other nations. You know, this week, um, I love it when this happens. Somebody sent a prophetic word from one of the prophets from the King's Arms Church and he knows nothing about our plans. And this is what it said. Are you ready? In the Midlands, I see a hub, a huge gathering of churches from across the nation. I see some sort of connection from heaven and God giving something. It flows from heaven, then down and across. 
infusing the people with power to witness. And I said, wow, that's what we've been seeing, a river that goes out. And you know, when prophets begin to speak, you know that they've caught something of what God is doing. This is very significant. The river is beginning to break out from under our foundations, and it's time to get in the flow, everybody. Let me just talk about the flow of that river that starts as a stream in Ezekiel 47, verses 1 to 2. It says that the flow, Ezekiel says, it it goes out towards the east. This trickle of glory is, is kind of drawn out to the dry places, the desert regions in the east. It runs down the steps of the temple in the direction of the east gate. But the altar is in the way. This is this huge religious effigy. It's over 20 feet tall, apparently. It stands between the temple door and the east gate. So what does the water do? Well, it's unstoppable. So it begins to run south for a bit, but then the pressure begins to build up there, and it starts seeping out through the south side of the temple wall. So the walls are leaking now. And the flow increases. And as it increases, the water crosses the inner court to the south side of the altar, which is contained by the boundary wall. And this course was apparently maintained across the outer court and beyond the outer east gate, as Ezekiel discovered after a necessary detour through the north gate, since the east gate was shut after the glory of God had entered it in chapter 43. Okay, maybe you didn't follow the geography, but let me just give you the overall picture. It's bursting out and it's unstoppable. Nothing can get in its way. No altars, no walls. No gates that are locked. It bursts out anyway. Amen? Please feel free to get excited at any point. Join me up here in my excitement. Ezekiel 47 verse 3. So that was verses 1 and 2 that I just summarized. Verse 3 says that the man went eastward with a measuring line. There he is measuring again. He measured off a thousand cubits, which is about five football pitches long. And he led me through water that was ankle deep. This trickle which bursts out from under the foundation, which is to become a great river, starts as a stream that was only ankle deep, but Ezekiel got in it anyway. He got in it. He paddled in the stream of what God was doing. It's only up to his ankles, but it's outside the walls of the temple, and it's already affecting the local environment. And we mustn't despise, Jubilee, the smallness of our first steps outside of the temple walls. Our first attempts to reach out, our early conversations. Get in anyway. (laughs) Get in anyway and get wet. Get your feet wet in what God is doing. And then miraculously, without any tributaries coming in, the stream begins to swell. And another, within another cubit, the river was up to his waist. For chapter four, uh, verse 4 it says that he measured off another five football pitches. 
and led, and led me through water that was knee deep. He measured off another thousand and led me through water that was up to its waist. It had gone beyond his local community. The river was affecting his region, like the Midlands perhaps. You know, the storehouse started out very much as a stream, but it's now becoming a river. It's affecting not just those on our doorstep, but we are serving people across the Midlands. We have served a record number of families in the first part of this year. Ask Alison, she'll tell you all about it. And it's about what we're doing in Leamington. You know, with people there feeling compelled to find ways of reaching out and making disciples in their community. It's an obsession. Speak to John, he'll tell you about it. Last Sunday afternoon, they were out doing a prayer scavenger hunt around the town centre, just looking for anybody to talk to about Jesus. Because it's going out. It's unstoppable. It happens, it's happening at the moment in our church plant in Moscow. Last week, <laughs> we were talking uh, with Sasha and Masha, who send their love every time I speak to them, about the resources that we need to send over to help them with discipling new believers. Did you catch that? The river is flowing and the river is growing. And then within another cubit, the river becomes impossibly deep. Verse 5, it was a river that I could not cross. Son of man, do you see this? Do you see this? It's miraculous. There's still no other rivers joining. But the river has affected the whole environment that it runs through. And the impact is being seen perhaps across the world. Healing whatever lies in its wake. Now many of you will know these verses. You'll have heard them taught before. And maybe understand its prophetic impact, but I'm giving it to you now. This is a living word for us now. It's what we believe. Ezekiel's vision. But the question that's come to me as I've thought about this, because we've talked about it before, but what I've thought about is with this river going out, I've had an existential question. What comes before? The river or the banks? What comes before? The river or the banks? Because a river has to have beds. A bed. It has to have sides. Because otherwise the river doesn't get very far. You end up, without any banks and sides, you, you end up, without any banks and bed, you end up with a kind of soggy marshland around the community of the church. Of failed attempts and endeavours that haven't really got very far. We don't want a marshland. We want a great river going out. So I think it's both. I think the river bursts out, but we need to find a way, just like we had with building the foundations of the church, to see that established. We need to also partner with the Holy Spirit to make the beds and the banks of a river through a people that goes out. We need to learn how to go out. We need to learn how to be witnesses. We need things in place in our thinking, in the way that we live, 
so that we, as the people of God, can be the beds and the banks of the river that goes out. And this is something, I'm not going to give it all to you now, but we feel like this is something we want to take our time over. Just like we did with prayer, we started in January and then we kept coming back to it over the year. We're going to do that with this and we're going to start with our strategy and unload our strategy on you uh, in January particularly. But you're already going to notice a difference because this is where we feel God is going and we want to go where he's going. So it's going to affect our preaching. Um, we're going to have much more of an outward-looking and equipping feel in this next season. It's going to affect the visiting speakers that we invite. We're going to ask people to come who can help to equip us, particularly with stories of mission. I met with somebody just a couple of weeks ago. They're seeing a, a move of God in, uh, in a multicultural community around Digbeth. <laughs> The stories would blow your mind. And I said, please, will you come and share some of those stories with us? Yes, they said. We were wondering if you could come and share about the gifts of the Spirit with us. I said, deal. Let's do it. It's going to affect our prayer strategy. We want to increasingly be looking outward as we pray. And there will be things that we can invite people to. We're not going to completely go for that because it's not just about inviting people. There are things that we can invite people to. It's actually about being who we are. But um, just want to tell you, um, last year we, at our Christmas service, Lizzie invited a friend uh, to the Christmas service who had an encounter with God and as a result is now baptised and part of a church in Jubilee, Leamington. Which, that's the very short version. Had an awakening to God and said, there's something about this. I want to go, I want to be part of a church. Gave his life to the Lord in that way and got baptized. So we're, Christmas service, invite somebody. You never know what might happen. Um, we're also going to, so we're going to have things to invite our friends to, but things to go to with our friends as well. We're just going to pop a few things in. Well, one actually. We're going to have a quiz night in February, just for fun. It's going to be fun. And I promise that I won't win because I'm hopeless at quiz nights. So there'll be more information about that coming, coming to you. But this question of how to build the banks of the river, and as I said, we want to lay out a bit more of the strategy that we feel God is giving us in January. But I just want to get you started, all right? Because building the banks of the river is... Part of our vision, actually, it's about knowing who we are, knowing what we've got, and knowing what we're called to do. It starts with each of us knowing what we've got. We need to know our shape. We need to know how God has gifted us. So, for instance, the Ephesians 4 gifts, which one is most like you? Because it makes a difference to how the flow of the river is directed through us. Be yourself. Don't be somebody else. You know, as a prophet, I tend to find that people are drawn to me or stuff happens to me or around me that I don't actually have a lot of control in. So our holiday in France was taken up mostly with sharing the gospel with our host family because they were desperate to know and invited other family members to come and hear what we had to say. 
And on one particular day, the the father-in-law came to me and said, please pray for me, I can't breathe. He's got a lung problem. He asked me to pray for him. So I said, okay. He snuggled under my arm. (laughs) I put my hand on this French man's head who doesn't speak any English, so we were using Google Translate. I said, Holy Spirit, come. The power of God came on him so that he went... And he didn't even know what I was praying for. And he, and he couldn't speak afterwards. I, I wrote down a Google version of what I just prayed for him and gave it to him. He didn't say a word. He just went. <laughs> Two days later, he spoke to me. He said, I felt the most incredible sense of peace. Amazing. We spent three hours talking to somebody else on our holiday, Jesus, because he couldn't believe that we knew Jesus like we did. It was just not within his experience. He was in tears at the end of our conversation. And I hadn't, he didn't, I, as far as I know, he's not become a Christian yet. But something's happened. He's shifted and he's moved in his thinking. That's just two stories. But it tends to happen to me. I go to the barbers and people end up, just stuff happens or whatever. That's because that's how my gift works. So I'm I'm not going to try and be like Paul Norris. I mean, his gift is, he's he's evangelistic. He just can't help himself. He's always irritated. He always wants to go out. And he always wants to go cycling and meet unbelievers and, and be with unbelievers and join clubs, which for me is the worst thing I could possibly imagine. So when he says, I want to reprioritize my mouth, I thought, oh no, here we go. <laughs> he even has to work for a mission organization because it's the only thing that fits his shape. Isn't that beautiful? I'm so glad I'm not like Paul Norris. <laughs> uh, or Simon Clay, for example. Now, Tom and I have got some beef with Simon Clay. We just need to come out with you and tell you. We visited Tim for months in hospital. Simon Clay goes once and ends up with people pouring their hearts out and he prays for them and has this amazing story where they just think he's wonderful. We've been going there for weeks. I just get, oh, he's the one that prays, okay. Alison sees a need in a community that needs fixing, sets up a ministry to meet that need and to challenge our culture and the way that we do things, which is apostolic. Starting something like that is apostolic. Teachers are gifted in helping people learn and change their lives through giving them an alternative future as a result. You know, teachers are the advisors. They advise us. They say, have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? Well, this is what I've learned about Jesus. Come and see. This is basic discipleship. Teachers are the most natural. The teaching gift, I don't mean teachers that are in school, although they might be the same thing. That's basic discipleship. John and Sarah Marshall are basically wanting to teach their community about Jesus, but in a sneaky way. See, the Holy Spirit flows through the gift that we are and we are witnesses to Jesus in different ways. 
Apostolic people create opportunities. Prophetic people attract and put people off. <laughs> Pastoral people care for people and then they open up. Teachers educate others. Evangelists go out to people. But we're not all made the same. So who are you? How can you be part of the riverbank in what God is doing? How can you allow the Holy Spirit to flow through your life to be a witness for Jesus? How has he gifted you? Don't try and be like someone else. Don't try and do it like someone else. And don't use that as a cop-out. <laughs> oh, but I'm not like that. Well, then you need to find out what you are like. Because we're all called to be witnesses. Amen? Sorry, what did I just say? Was it really good? We're all called to be witnesses. You can't use the cop-out that that's not what I'm like. We just all have different ways of doing it. So what I want us to do is, as we close, I mean, the river's got deeper, I feel, like even today, all right? Just a sense of God's presence. And I thought, wow, I'm so excited I'm getting to speak on the back of this, on the back of what God is doing amongst us. So I just feel like it would be great to just step in the river a bit as we come to a close. Just Can we just stand? I know I'm just being prophetic, so bear with me. But if you, if, you, if you are open to what I've been sharing today, just put your hands out. And this is not a judgment thing. Just put your hands out. I'm just going to invite God to flow amongst us. Lord, just send the river. And Paul is desperate to leave right now because he thinks there might be somebody down the road he wants to go and speak. <laughs> so uh, I did a, a mission trip with Julian Adams a few years ago. And he said, you know, the disciples got away with it because they were drunk and they weren't scared of anything. And we need to go out full of the Holy Spirit and we don't care about anything else other than Jesus. You know, he's such good news. We need to go and tell people some good news. They need to hear that. So Holy Spirit, we just come. We just come on each one right now. Lord, we invite the river of God to flow through each one of us. And as we stand here in your presence, I often pray this. Lord, um, wherever I go today, let me bump into somebody for Jesus. Father, will you draw people to us? Father, will you open up conversations for us? Will you give us opportunities, Father? Will you help us to make friends with unbelievers? Would you give us the opportunity to pray with people who don't know you yet? Father, will you just breathe on us again? Will you just come and commission us again? It says that when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, you shall be witnesses. It's unstoppable. And so, Father, we just want to commit ourselves to you again and say, Lord, I'm in. We're in, we're, we're with you, Lord, we're, and you're with us. So take us wherever you want to go in this season. But Lord, let the river flow. And Father, if there are any blockages in the way, any blockages of I can't do this or it's not me or any other lies, we break them. We break agreement with them in Jesus' name because we're all called to be witnesses full of the Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.